Hello and welcome to the Ice Guy, brought to you by the National Hockey Now Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a betting perspective. With pro sports handicappers, Ian Cameron, Alex B. Smith, and various guests from the world of hockey and sports betting. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by National Hockey Now. Monday, April 24th, Ian Cameron and Alex B. Smith with you, ready to break down the Monday NHL Stanley Cup playoffs card. Four games on tap, four game four matchups. We'll get to those uh, momentarily. Uh, but first, we'll look back on a busy Sunday, a fun Sunday, an exciting Sunday. I was just, I loved what the uh, NHL did, quite honestly. Uh, as far as the schedule is concerned, you know, you started the day at 1 p.m. Eastern, and you basically had one game after another, right until. Uh, midnight when that Kings and Oilers game finally ended. So it was a great quadruple header. It started with a very impressive performance on the road by the Carolina Hurricanes uh, yesterday afternoon to take uh, control uh, of their series against the New York Islanders. Now go up three games to one uh, with a very convincing uh, defeat uh, over the uh, Islanders uh, yesterday. Uh, very impressive was Carolina in terms of their defensive play. They capitalized on an early power play. Islanders, again, penalty trouble got to them, uh, and it ended up costing them. And the Carolina Hurricanes now one win away from a first-round victory against the Islanders after a 5-2 win last night. Ajo, Natchez, uh, Seth Jarvis, all playing strong games for the Hurricanes, slaving on the back end, blocking a ton of shots, good defensive positioning. Uh, and then, of course, uh, a solid game in net from Antti Ranta and Again, with the Islanders, um, it's just a couple of breakdowns here and there uh, and have ended up being costly for them and not enough from some of the key players that they expected a lot from. Anders Lee has had a quiet series. Uh, when you look at it, there's been some glimp. Brock Nelson, I think, has been pretty good, but you need some more from some of the other forwards, including, of course, Bo Horvat, who finally did score late in that game, but it was kind of like a garbage time goal. It's like if you score a basket in an NBA playoff game when you're down 22 points. It's like, who cares? You know, and that's what it felt like with uh, Bo Horvat scoring late in that game. Like, who gives a shit? You know, you haven't done anything here in this series so far. Uh, and, uh, yeah, well, your first goal, but game was already lost. So, uh, But they need more from a, a lot of their key offensive players, and that's always the issue with the Islanders. It's sometimes they just don't score enough. And sadly for Alex and I, the, uh, the dream dies uh, yesterday as far as the home team winning every game. That uh, correct series win order prop uh, ends up uh, uh, biting the dust last night, uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, with that uh, Carolina Game 4 win. Uh, Florida-Boston, another series where the road team seized control. Uh, the Boston Bruins uh, defeating Florida up 3-1 in the series. Uh, a nice, solid road victory. Uh, Linus Allmark was immense. Uh, Florida really actually, in times in that game, were really taking the play to Boston. But again, a bend but don't break mantra from the Bruins. Uh, defensively, they held up. They got the puck out. I thought their penalty kill was outstanding. Once again, yesterday, it's just so impressive that with Boston as a team defensively, all the forwards back check, they're always got active sticks. The defensemen in the in the zone are just, you know, rolling, rotating around constantly to make sure they dive at loose pucks all over the place on the penalty kill. It really is an all out effort thing when you watch the Bruins play defense and especially when you see them operate on what is the number one penalty kill uh, in the NHL this season. Uh, it's just fun to watch. Everybody's committed to the defensive end of the ice. Every single member of the Bruins. And that's why they're tough to score on. And it sure as hell helps when Linus Allmark 
uh, plays a great game, and he did that again. It got very chippy uh, toward the end. Uh, it got very rough. In fact, Matthew Kachuk uh, poking around Linus Allmark's kitchen and, and cave just a little bit too much, and Allmark lost it. He was ready to throw down uh, at that moment yep. in the game. Uh, goalie gloves, uh, gloves off, uh, took the mask off. Uh, he was ready to go. He had had just about enough of uh, Matthew Kachuk uh, toward the end of that game as Florida, as you would expect, not in a good mood, losing that game, probably losing the series uh, in the process, going down 3-1. So the kind of frustration uh, basically was uh, coming out of the Florida Panthers toward the end of that game with the uh, cross-checking and the uh, the physical play and the, and the nasty stuff after the whistle uh, toward the end of that game. But no, I mean, Boston, again, no excuses from them ever. They once again, with in a game where Bergeron and Krejci, their top two centers, didn't play, uh, they found a way to uh, get the uh, job done. And uh, the Florida Panthers now up against it. And you know what really hurts Florida, too, is not only did they not get enough offensive punch going yesterday, uh, but at the same time, they missed Aaron Ekblad. There's no question about that. He was a late uh, absence for game four yesterday. And, and when you take Aaron Ekblad off that blue line, man, it really does some significant – it really hurts – in terms of that uh, uh, six blue liners that Florida can put out there, it means all of a sudden you've got to give more minutes to guys you really don't want to give more minutes to. And I'm talking about, you know, Casey Fitzgerald and Josh Mahura, you know, your bottom uh, pair defenseman. Uh, Gudis has to play more. An aging Mark Stahl suddenly has to play a lot more minutes. So it ended up being a really tough spot for Florida on the back end without Aaron Ekblad. Uh, you know, Montour's had a great series, but I think you can say other than that, you know, Gus, Gus Forsling has been a disappointment in this series. I thought with the way he played down the stretch to get Florida in the playoffs, he could carry that over. And he's had a bit of a rough series on the blue line for Florida as well. And then without Ekblad, just too much to overcome uh, against a team like the Boston Bruins, who now have a chance to close out the series in game five on Wednesday night. It's actually a two-day break in this series. They won't get back in action until Wednesday night uh, in Boston for game five. And, I pose, and Mikey, our, our good friend on uh, Twitter, has been on this show a bunch of times and on our betcast. He it made a great point. Why rush Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci back for game five? Why do it at this point? They don't need to. You right. know, I think that you've shown you can handle Florida without these guys. You're probably going to close out the series anyway Wednesday night. Give them that extra rest. Give them that extra opportunity to heal and have both Bergeron and Krejci as, as in as good a shape as possible physically for what obviously would be a very tough second round series against either Toronto or Tampa Bay. So uh, I think that's the way to play it. You know, there's no need to rush these uh, two guys back into the lineup right now uh, for game five uh, in uh, Boston. And by the way, I mentioned this on Twitter too about Kachuk. I thought Steph Curry had the biggest problem with chewing on his mouthpiece all game. No, it's worse with Kachuk. It's 10 times worse. He never fucking stops like the whole fucking hockey game whistle, or even when the whistle's going or when the play's going on, he's got that damn thing going at all times chewing on the mouthpiece there uh, all game long i mean it's just it's it's nonstop with matthew kachuk <laughs> actually he's actually topped he's managed to somehow outdo steph curry uh, in that department which i thought was pretty difficult to do and he somehow managed uh, to do it uh, alex uh, your thoughts on the uh, two games uh, in the afternoon from the east yeah that, that, that's an interesting point you make about kachuk with the mouthpiece because yeah a lot of guys i know they Chew on them for nerves. Some guys chew on them just to help them breathe a little bit better. But clearly, he seems like he may be more of the on-edge type, obviously, uh, with the style of game that he plays. But like I said, great seeing that kind of, you know, animosity and, and you know, playoff hockey intensity. You know, Linus Olmark trying to, you know, scrap with, you know, Kachuk. And 
you know, I was a little nervous about that because at one point it looked like when he gave up a goal, it's like, is this guy even going to start next game? He just, you know, he has these moments where he looks like completely stiff and out of sorts. And then all of a sudden now here he is bouncing around trying to fight somebody. So Homer needs to kind of calm it down a little bit, but I, I love seeing the intensity overall from, from both teams. That's what this, this time of year is all about. Uh, you know, and this is a great spot, like you said, for Boston right now. You get days off, let you guys rest. Like I said, don't, don't need to rush Krejci back. Don't need to rush Bergeron back. You can take care of business at home, wrap this thing up, and give yourself – we're talking about probably about – it will be a week almost before or at least six days between if they win game five and then move on to start game one. Uh, and chances are, you, you know, hopefully you're looking at playing a Toronto or Tampa Bay team that's gone through six or seven games. So you put yourself in a great spot if you're the Bruins right now. Just you know, go home, rest, get ready, and take care of business in a big way uh, on Wednesday night. As far as Isles Canes goes, yeah, it was it's really sad, obviously, to see uh, the home trend come to an abrupt halt. And uh, it was just, it was, I like I said, I didn't feel comfortable in Carolina winning because I didn't expect to see that kind of a, of a bad performance and just sloppy performance from the Islanders. You know, lack of scoring, sure. They do that all the time, win or lose. But to see them, like I said, the uncharacteristic, just just dumb penalties. You know, not even just, oh, they're getting, you know, uh, out, you know teams are out skating them and they're having to hold on and grab guys and, and they're catching really like that. No, it's just, just boneheaded plays. And, uh, you know, like I said, this is a team that did not look like a championship-level team. They were not the same Islanders from the years past that made it to the conference finals and gave Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh and all these other teams tough runs. And, you know, now we're seeing the stronger team uh, moving forward, and it looks like this might be curtains by game five. So, uh, you know, we'll be getting into that elimination mode. We'll be looking for those third-period overs. That's definitely a game that, you know, and we'll talk about it more, but third-period overs usually – nowadays have become more of a live uh, wager because of the adjustments made and the higher scoring. But with that low total in that series, you might actually be able to make a pregame wager on that third period over. It's something we'll be checking on. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's uh, definitely keep an eye on this as the elimination games approach. So do the third period over opportunities, although the opportunities aren't as great as they used to be because there's been adjustments. And a lot of times now, I remember the years ago, it was over one and a half third period, even in elimination games, like minus 130 or minus 140. You're never going to see that uh, these days. You're going to often see two and a half now uh, with some of these third period overs, but still doesn't mean you can't cash some of them. Uh, in the West, wow, was the West uh, ever exciting last night? Uh, let's start in uh, Minnesota, Alex's uh, backyard there with the Minnesota Wild and the Dallas Stars. I have never been as upset and disappointed in a hockey team's performance in a team's victory, and especially when I bet them, as I was last night with the Dallas Stars. I didn't think they played that great, to be honest, at all. For a team that was down 2-1 to one in this series after the Game 3 against Minnesota, where definitely in that game they did not play well, I expected a bigger pushback from them. And yeah, they won the game, but I, and you know the shots were actually pretty close in that hockey game. Uh, and it was definitely better than game three, but I expected a lot better in game four compared to game three for Dallas. And I didn't get it. I thought, I thought they were markedly better uh, in some spots, but it wasn't this resounding. Yeah. We're really going to seize control and we're going to show Minnesota. We're the better team in this series. And then sure enough, even when they got up two goals, there's Minnesota making it a one goal game late and the stars got to hang on for dear life. And they need yet another bailout save in the final seconds uh, from Jake Ottinger to hang on for the victory. Um, I didn't love what I saw from Dallas. I thought they could have been a lot better than they were, but they won kind of like Toronto in game three against Tampa Bay on Saturday night. 
they were outplayed Toronto in that game and they still won, you know, kind of like last night with Dallas, they were outplayed at times, but at the end of the day, who cares? You want a playoff game and you're one step closer uh, to winning the series, a game they had to have tie it up two two now a best of three uh, as the scene shifts to Dallas. I will say this, uh, Ben was better. Uh, Sagan was a lot better. Of course, he got two goals for the uh, Dallas Stars. I'm still not seeing enough out of Jason Robertson. I mean, uh, it's just to me, he is he did, still didn't bring his game up to another level the other night. And again, we've talked about how he misses Pavelski. There's no question about that. Um, the odd man rushes and the breakaways that Dallas allowed last night in that game was unacceptable. You can't give up six, seven odd man rushes like that. And that's what they did last night against me. They're very fortunate Ottinger was absolutely spectacular. Okay, that was Jake Ottinger, game seven against Calgary level. Jake Ottinger last night. He was that good. He was spectacular. He was on top of everything. The only pucks that beat him were broken plays. A puck that was knocked down, it landed on the stick of Klingberg, and he had a nice shot. The broken play, you know, off the, I think it off grazed the post and sat right down there for the third, uh, second uh, Minnesota goal with the net empty uh, late in the third. I mean, the only goals that beat Ottinger last night were broken plays. He had no shot, none, zero uh, to stop any of those. But he was phenomenal. He was on his angles. Uh, he made some incredible acrobatic saves, athletic saves last night. He was seeing the puck well. Post-to-post -post movement was spectacular. Uh, he was phenomenal. He needed to be for Dallas to win that game. So, But again, they won. I thought they could have played a lot better, but at the end of the day, they won. I'll tell you who didn't win. Fans of good officiating in that game last night. Look, I like Dallas in the game. I was hoping Dallas won. Alex in the same boat as well. But if you think that first Marcus Foligno penalty uh, in the second period was a penalty, that was a complete disgrace. That was yeah. absolutely off. That's a body check for crying out loud. Yeah. It's a body check. It's a physical hit along the boards, clean. And that was called a penalty in that hockey game last night. And I have just been sick to my stomach with the officiating in the in this first round. It's not been good enough. Across the board, it has not been good enough at all. And the standard has fallen to a level that really, really frightens me moving forward. That um, we're now calling a physical hit, a big physical hit now. We're, we're at that point now where we can't even look at that kind of a hit and think to ourselves, wow, maybe is this going to be called a penalty? That's where we're at right now. Like we see a good, solid, physical hit and body check along the boards, and we can't even see that shit anymore in the Stanley Cup playoffs without wondering maybe this is going to be a penalty. It's ridiculous. It's totally absurd. And it is becoming a bigger problem right now with what we're seeing here uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And to be quite honest with you, I think Felino had a little bit of a gripe on the other penalty that was called in the third period that led to the Sagan goal uh, in that one a little bit. Uh, I don't think it was as egregious as the first, but the first one was pathetic. Okay, pathetic. Yeah. It was Felino throwing at a good, solid, physical body check hit along the boards. There is no way that's a penalty. That was a, 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 30 years ago, uh, people would have just been just ranting and raving even more. But I think the reason why, you know, the, today's day and age, we're becoming accustomed and tuned into this softer version of hockey. Let's be honest. I mean, we're, yeah. we're heading down that rabbit hole, unfortunately. And it's not fun. For people like me and Alex that have been growing up and watching this sport for 30 years that remember to take no prisoners and just absolute trench warfare. And we're getting robbed of that now because now we can't even watch a good, solid, physical hit and body check that Felino laid in that game last night. And now we got to ask ourselves, oh, that might be called a penalty.
And that is a very, very frustrating feeling to have for a longtime hockey fan that wants to see playoff games, you know, let the players play, put the whistles away, don't call this ridiculous shit. And unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of it called in these playoffs. It's been still a good first round. The hockey has been phenomenal. The I like seeing the animosity. We've seen a lot of scrums. We've seen a lot of fights so far in this first round. But my gosh, the penalty calls have been atrocious, some of them. And it's got to stop. Cut it out. Cross the board. The standard's got to improve. Not good enough. If I'm the commissioner of the NHL right now, and I don't know if Bettman's doing this, probably not. But if I'm the commissioner right now, I'm doing an emergency call right now with all my referees. And I'm saying, get your head out of your asses and start doing a better fucking job out there. Collectively, all of you. Uh, Alex, what did you think of that game? Gary Bettman's had his own head up his ass since Clinton was in office, so he's definitely not doing that. So, uh, but you're right. Here's the thing: it's 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 you're right and wrong here. Okay, you're right about what's happening with the game, and you know this this move, movement of softness or whatever you want to call it. That that's spot on. But this particular series is being over officiated for the fact that they are just anticipating nastiness based on what we saw from Game One. This is an isolated series incident. Okay. Yes, we've had bad officiating all the series so far, and that needs to be rectified. But this particular situation is just uh, the referees. Oh, it's if they feel like a bench clearing brawl is going to jump out as soon as there's a blowout in, in the series, and it's not. So they're the ones panicking, as far as I'm concerned, about this particular series. And maybe that was some kind of a league memo or what have you, or they're hearing something on the ice that we aren't catching. But that's the way that I've been I've been seeing these calls and why everything's so ticky tack in this particular series. That Felino hit behind the net was. Not even close to a penalty. But the second hit, and here's the thing. Marchment had the wherewithal to move out of the way. But if he gets the full run of that hit, he's getting crushed, okay, into the door most likely. That's going to probably be called a five-minute major and, and reviewed. Hopefully it would have been rescinded because it wasn't any super malicious intent. But it was a charge, and they called it a trip. He took three strides and left his feet. That's charging. I looked it up in the rule book because I look up the rules and I've known the rules because I've been watching this game since I was a little kid. They called it tripping. The fact that they're getting calls wrong on top of calling things too tight, it's a problem. You know, and, and I don't understand if you're talking to the coaches before the game, right? And you let them know it's the same thing that happens in baseball. It happens in, in every sport, right? Where you don't, you know, listen, you know, we understand what's going on in the series, you know, but let's just, you know, let's tone it down. We don't want any, you know, anything to get completely out of hand, right? And neither does any, any other team want shit to get out of hand because they're trying to win games. They're not trying to get everybody kicked out of the game like we've been seeing, seeing all these different misconducts and, and different shit. You got guys that are in line. If they get thrown out again, they're going to be uh, fined and suspended potentially. Like that, that's insane. We don't, we don't want the game to be like that. But at the same time, the referees have to relax. You know, like I said, this is playoff hockey. It's going to get physical. It's going to get tough. But pay attention as well. Like, get the calls right. Like, And everybody's like, oh, that shouldn't have been a penalty. Yes, it should have been a penalty on Foligno because it was a charge. And he did hit him. He didn't crush him like he wanted to. If he did, we'd be talking about the same shit we're talking about with Dumba and Pavelski from game one. So, yeah, the, the, the refs need to get it together. But, like I said, this series is a little bit more isolated because of that Pavelski there's no, there's no question. We've seen so many poorly, poorly officiated games. The, the crew that did LA Edmonton game three with the controversial overtime goal for LA was the same crew that did Dallas, Minnesota last night. The same Garrett rank. And I, 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 I'm not sure who the other guy was, but it was the same two guys that did the Kings and Oilers game three. And they were a disgrace that pair in that game, the way they officiated it. 
And then the same thing last night with Dallas. That's a pair that's like, okay, enough. Sit down. Read the rule book because clearly you didn't or you don't or, or something. These two guys in particular, it's time to, you know, set them down. You don't suspend them, but you sit them down and you say, hey, you're not getting on the ice again to officiate another fucking playoff game until you read the rule book, start to finish, front to back, and figure out what should be called and what shouldn't be called. Because there's not enough referees, I think, that know what, what the fuck the rule book is and what should really? be called and what shouldn't be called anymore. And you're right. Alex B. Smith, my colleagues, reading the rule book more than I'm sure some of these fucking refs do. That's a problem. You know, I, I really do believe that. You know, that's a big-time problem right now. Uh, and, you know, one game to the next. Look at the friggin' goal situations, too. What's called a goal and what's not a goal? How is the Braden Point goal wiped away Saturday night in the Tampa-Toronto game? But the very similar play that we saw with Boston-Florida yesterday yep. involving Marshawn is a goal. Mm-hmm. Where's, the, where's the consistency? Yeah. Where the hell is it? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, 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 again, this is an issue. You cannot watch a playoff game anymore. Hell, a regular season game, but now, especially a playoff game now, where you wonder, oh, is that gonna goal, goal going to be allowed or not? Because I, it was allowed in one game, but I've also seen it not allowed in another game. We've got issues right now, okay? Serious issues in the officiating department. I don't know if that's going to be a, a hit that gives me a two-minute penalty. Hell, a five-minute penalty. Or it may not be a penalty at all. Like, you could actually see a hit now and think, that should be five-minute major, get him out of the game. And yet, you could also see maybe another crew not give a single penalty, not even a minor, a two-minute penalty for it. we got problems, serious issues right now with officiating, lack of consistency, lack of knowing the rule book, lack of understanding that physical, hard-hitting hockey should still be in the game, and yet it's not being adjudicated that way. It's an issue. Yeah. So that's and that. here's the other and I had to get it off my chest. It's been bothering me this whole weekend what I've seen, all this shit with the officiating. Yeah, and here's the thing too, you know, the fact that you don't even see mention the chat about, you know, double minors. Why does everything that that is significant enough go from just automatically a minor of 2 minutes to a major of 5 in a game misconduct? Like why why are we now elevating it from just 0 to 60? In that aspect, what happened to, to giving out double minors? What happened to just having a five-minute major without throwing somebody out of the fucking game? Like, you know, police the game. Like, getting rid of somebody doesn't change anything. You think, you think oh, because you kick the one guy out that nobody else is going to step up and, and do the same kind of shit? Like, it, it's asinine to have that, that thought process. And, okay, fine, you're trying to make sure that things aren't unbalanced. Well, if one team's taking more penalties than the other, then the shit's unbalanced because they're the ones making, making it unbalanced. It's not your referee's job to balance shit out. It's your job to call the game as you see fit, at, according to the rule. I, I was already starting to really get worried and concerned about the poor officiating in this first round of the playoffs last week. But then Saturday and Sunday's games happened, and Friday night with the debacle in L.A. Uh, as well. And I'm starting to think to myself, and then I said, wow, it's actually getting worse after what I've seen here the last uh, few nights. And another thing, too, uh, about the – and you mentioned that, that now with a five-minute penalty call, uh, you can review it and decide, okay, does it stay a five-minute penalty call in a game misconduct, or do you rescind it to just two minutes, or do you just say not a penalty at all, which they can do now for a five-minute major. What I don't understand is you can review a five-minute major penalty call, but that's it. You can't You can't review it. You actually have to upgrade the thing. That's what they did with Riley on point Saturday night in the Tampa game. They only made it five minutes on Riley at the beginning so they could review it. 
because if they had kept it at two minutes, two minute minor, they wouldn't have been able to go to review, you know, to look at it. How stupid is that? Why don't you just make it reviewable across the board? Two minute penalty, four minute penalty, five minute. You might as well. I think yeah. it's totally asinine that, oh, we can only review it if we make it a five minute penalty, even though you're going to rescind the damn thing when it's all said and done. Like, where's the logic there? Why don't you just, hey, it's a big hit. We saw Point get injured. Who cares? Two, four, five minutes. I don't give a flying fuck. You review it anyway because it's that important to get it right. But it shouldn't matter how many minutes it is. Five minutes, four minutes, two minutes. Review it. Yeah. What's the big there deal? Should be a whole, there should be an entire separate committee. Just like you have you have every goal reviewed in Toronto, there should be an entire separate room strictly for penalties. Yeah. And I think I think we're getting there. I really do. And I think I, this the one thing about this competition committee is they've made some tweaks and a lot of them I've agreed with. It's time to really, you know, accentuate officiating and the, and streamlining this process uh, across the board right now. And, and we'll see if they're uh, able to do that in the offseason. And then we wrap up with the craziest game of the day, Edmonton and L.A. What is there to say about this game? I mean, Twitter is just lighting up the Edmonton Oilers after that first period, and rightfully so. That first period was a disaster for the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, giveaways, breakdowns defensively. They were outcompeted. They lost every puck battle. I mean, the way the third goal was scored by Kopitar, nobody could find the puck. There were how many Oilers out on the ice at that time, and nobody could find the puck mm-hmm. for them against uh, the, the Kings there. And then all of a sudden, there's uh, Kopitar. And, of course, it's, it's Skinner's shocked that all of a sudden, no, none of his teammates saw a puck that was clearly available there. Kopitar grabs it makes a beautiful move to beat him. And 3 nothing L.A., and at that moment, we're thinking, my gosh, are the Edmonton Oilers done uh, in this series? And I have to give them a ton of credit because uh, to be able to just chip away like that, and I said it on Twitter after that first period, Alex, Jay Woodcroft is not a screamer. He's not a rant and rave guy. He is not a th- kick garbage cans in the dressing room and throw shit at the wall in the dressing room during the intermissions when his team's playing bad. That's not his M.O. That's not his style. That's not his personality. But, man, if there was ever a time to break character and do something like that out of the norm, it would have been after that first period debacle for the Edmonton Oilers. Now, I don't know what was said, and he said in the press conference after the game, Jay Woodcroft, last night that, you know, I said some things, they kind of said some things, you know, but I have a feeling he did a lot of the talking. He just, yeah. you know, did. But I think for the first time, he kind of went postal on his team because if you watched Edmonton, from the rest of that game after that, it was a different team. And in the second period, they were swarming L.A. Uh, and it, it didn't shock me at all they had tied the game because they were just had the puck in the L.A. zone entirely. L.A. got into penalty trouble. Like, oh, another game with too many penalties called. What else is new? Uh, and it ended up being uh, Edmonton coming back to uh, tie the game 3-3. Uh, L.A. looked like they had seized momentum back 4-3. Uh, and I got to give Jack Campbell credit and credit Woodcroft too for making the switch. They pulled Skinner in the first period, not all his fault, and obviously, and went to Campbell. But Campbell had to make a couple huge stops when it was 4 3 LA in the third period, including a huge pad save on Arvidsson with like six minutes to go. That really might have put the game away. Next thing you know, two minutes later, Evander came with a beautiful release on a wrist shot to beat Corpusalo, who was again phenomenal last night uh, to tie the game. And then in overtime, uh, the Oilers get the uh, job done. Uh, and get the overtime winner courtesy of Zach Hyman. And uh, great to see for him because, you know, I've been critical of him and Nugent Hopkins and a lot of these uh, secondary players for the Oilers not doing enough in this series. And what a time to come alive for Zach Hyman. And uh, uh, I ended up jumping in on a couple OT goal score player props, which I've started to do here in some of these overtime games. Uh, 
FanDuel, among other places, posts uh, goal score props for overtime. And I had a little piece of Hyman at 12 to 1 uh, to score that overtime winner last night. So that was great to see. Yeah, Vinny DeArnay had a brutal, brutal go of it on that second uh, Edmonton goal for, or LA goal, I should say, for Edmonton. So him being benched, I can see why that happened. Uh, it was not a good night for him, uh, for the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Um, but credit to them for coming back. And, uh, you know, I don't know if Dave Tippett's the coach, if they pull this comeback off. I really don't. I really don't because uh, I think Jay Woodcroft's temperament, his ability to adjust in game, change things up. I think that played a great role. And I love this quote, Alex, about uh, a couple gem quotes from Jay Woodcroft in his press conference. He's one of the best guys to listen to because he just gives you so much. He almost gives you too much when he's talking to the media uh, after the uh, game, just because he's so, you know, very, very charismatic. And he just gives you a lot uh, in terms of info and what he's thinking. And he says, you know, our mindset is to continue pounding on that rock until it splits. You know, I love that quote. And then the one he said about uh, Evander Kane and Zach Hyman, who of course scored the uh, tying goal and the game winning goal, respectively, after a quiet start to the series, he says, quote, they put hard miles on the opponent's decor our belief is that if you do things harder and longer than the other team over time, all those good things accrue. It's like a bank account. You keep investing in that bank account and eventually you get rewarded. And uh, that's basically his analogy to I'm investing in Evander Kane. I'm buying stock in Evander Kane. I'm buying stock in Zach Hyman. I'm not giving up on these guys. We're just going to keep playing them. They're going to find their way. They're great players. And man, did they ever pick a great time to step up last night, Alex? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the thing, like I said, you know, that's that's why you have the secondary scoring, you know, you you, it, you it's about balance. You know, and I was talking about this earlier, you know, saying, OK, well, yeah, the secondary scores ship in, but you still got to have the primary scoring there, too. That's what makes the secondary scoring secondary score. So now, yeah, like I said, just having everybody incorporated it, and, and it takes time. It takes effort. You know, and this is just the, the motion of the series. too. I think teams have to kind of settle in and understand that this is just the type of series they're playing right now. Like no one has held the lead. Uh, you know, we've seen multiple goal leads blown in all four games so far. That's just the, the way it's going to be. So you have to play sometimes to the tempo of the series. Uh, and, and, and that's the other adjustment. You have to adjust with yourself. You have to adjust with your opponent. But you also have to adjust with how the series is flowing. I think that's uh, what's going to you know determine who wins this series now at this point. Which teams can make adjustments to how the flow of the series is, is going to be. And that leans more towards Edmonton because they just have that kind of offensive talent. But at the same time, the goaltending's questionable. You know, uh, you know, we talked about it off air about who should they go with next, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe the Oilers would ride with Campbell. You know, I think of uh, Scott Darling in 2015, right? Came into a similar spot. Crawford looked like crap in Game One. They were down three nothing. Darling comes in, winning in double overtime after coming back to tie the game. Plays a few more games, but he doesn't even finish the series out. Go back to Crawford. Crawford wins the cup. Maybe this is where Campbell can. At the same time, build his momentum for his team, build some confidence for himself, obviously, in playing well. He looked good in the, in the spots when he came in, and give Skinner a much-needed rest because, yes, this is a young goalie who has played the most minutes uh, of his career. He shouldn't be completely fatigued, <laughs> uh, Gustafson. But, you know, at the same time, you know, give him a little bit of a rest and a break. He hasn't been in this spot before. So having Campbell be in this spot, maybe you start Campbell and and, and roll with, with consequences of win or loss there, and then you go back to Skinner, uh, rested and, and with some energy and, and, and kind of refocused a bit. I think that might be the way to go uh, if I were Jay Woodcroft. Yeah, and the debate is going to begin, obviously, now uh, 
clearly after a game like that is, uh, you know, who is going to end up being the, uh, you know, who is going to end up being a net uh, for game five uh, and beyond. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, who it is. But I I made the case for Skinner to once again be uh, the goalie in game five, just because, you know, he's been their guy in net for most of the season, especially the second half. He hasn't played that poorly. Uh, in this series, and look, the whole team stunk in game in the first period last night. Can't put it all on the uh, at the on the put all the blame on Stuart Skinner. So I think he's earned himself still one more shot or another shot to bounce back from that. For as great as Campbell was, what twenty eight shot saves on twenty nine shot, he was he was yeah. <laughs> that was as good as Jack Campbell's played all year for sure. I think you don't bail out on Stu Skinner just yet. Give him another start, see what happens. And that, right, and and that's that's why I'm saying that's why I feel like yeah, don't bail out. I wouldn't if Campbell. If Campbell gives you 35 saves and a shutout, I still would go back to Skinner for the next game. You know what I'm saying? That's why I'm saying, and I think that's where people are kind of saying, oh, you know, they automatically think if we go to the second goaltender, it's a it's a controversy, you know, because you've seen what's happened in Minnesota, uh, you know, and, and other places. No, this isn't a controversy. This is this is proper usage of having two goaltenders. Basically, what we've seen in Boston as well, and, and a couple other teams. So I, I think going to Campbell doesn't necessarily mean the end of Skinner or just ride with Campbell if it's played that way, but, but the media is going to grab onto that and just blow it up and say, Oh, now we have a goalie controversy when really it doesn't have to be, nor should it be. No, exactly. It's just, and by the way, it's, we're now in the day and age in the NHL where you need two good goalies, you know, especially if you're, you know, and be able to rely on one when one's maybe not playing well, or when you just need a momentum switch, you know, which is what Edmonton needed after that first period, you can put in the other goalie and get that kind of, you know, spark. For your team and that's what you need now this day and age for sure uh, in the playoffs two good goalies uh, at your disposal all right uh let's go to our tonight's card we've got four games on tap we'll begin with the new jersey devils new york rangers game four madison square garden rangers still up 2-1 in this series rangers minus 150 uh home favorites here in game four five and a half the total uh, in this game uh look give the uh, devils credit for a really really solid performance in uh, game uh three of this series uh, backs against the wall, uh, going on the road, you know, a very, very tough uh, situation for them. But, uh, you know, Dougie Hamilton said it after they won game three on uh, Saturday. It's that, uh, you know, they were a, a team that, uh, you know, thrived on the road, played their best hockey uh, on the road uh, all season long. So uh, I think when you look at this situation here for the Devils, um, you know, I give them a puncher's chance to tie this series tonight. But I also look at that game and say, you know what, the Rangers still had – you know, a bunch of uh, chances uh, at their uh, disposal uh, to win that game the other night. You know, they definitely uh, were in a situation where they had their opportunities. Uh, New Jersey played better, I think, team defense. Uh, I think you look at the goaltending, certainly, from Akira Schmid. And look, it gave them the spark that they were hoping for uh, in on Saturday night. Uh, and to get that first win uh, of the series, I thought Jack Hughes played one of his best games of the series for sure. I mean, he only had really uh, a few little flashes here and there, the two games in Jersey, but you suddenly look in game three uh, on uh, Saturday night, he scores the key goal to tie it. Uh, it was just much more noticeable uh, in the offensive zone. And it was just, you know, very, very impressive to uh, see that uh, no doubt. So interesting to see now if uh, the devils can, you know, keep it going following that victory the other night, I think it's going to be a lot tougher, obviously, because you're talking about a uh, New York uh, Rangers team that uh, is going to know that um, uh, they probably could have won that game on Saturday night uh, when you look at it. And also, I, I think one of the things, too, to keep in mind is that uh, the um, you know the New York Rangers uh, had a bunch of chances. Uh, Schmid have held the fort. 
The power play suddenly, which had been so good in the first two games of this series, was not so good suddenly uh, in the uh, uh, game three loss. Uh, but a chance to bounce back again. It wasn't like the New Jersey Devils were overly convincing in that victory in game three. You know, it was a better performance from their goaltender, a better team defensive effort, better penalty kill. All of those things led to the uh, victory. Uh, but at the same point in time, uh, I think it's a situation here. We're going into this game tonight uh, against the uh, Rangers. The Rangers will have a good pushback. You know, it's not like they were uh, much the inferior team in game three. So, yeah, I like the Devils on game three. I, I, I'm leaning the other way here, honestly, right now in game four tonight. Uh, but I don't love the price. I'll be honest, minus 150. I think, you know, if I'm going to get involved with the Rangers in some form tonight, it would be the minus one is the way I would go and um, or, or split it between the minus one and the and the regulation price because you know I always am leery of overtime games in the playoffs and I wouldn't want the entire stake of the wager to be on the regulation price but what I'll probably end up doing is a split between Rangers plus 102 in reg and Rangers minus one which is at a pretty nice plus 135 here uh, in this game and obviously a better price than say the minus 150. Uh, with them for the uh, full game money line. So that's the way I'm going to approach it. As far as the total goes, look, I've been on the overs in this series. The, the total has stayed consistent at five and a half. Uh, we finally saw an under uh, in game three. But I think we kind of get back to more of that pace-driven style of play. We get back to more offense here in this game. And again, for as good as Schmid and the Devils team defense was in game three, I'm going to need to see it again from them in game four. And I think the Rangers offense and their power play which finally got shut down, will make their adjustments here in game four and be a lot more effective. So uh, I'm going to look toward the uh, over five and a half here, uh, even though it fell short for the first time in this series uh, in uh, game three. Uh, Alex, uh, what do you think here? A big game four with the Devils and Rangers. Yeah, and I missed most of what you said because I'm trying to deal with whatever this fucking asshole is inside of the chat that keeps spamming it. But anyway. I'm uh, trying to block him from StreamYard and for I some reason too. it usually works and it's not. Yeah, so uh, knock it the fuck off, whoever that is. But anyway, uh, I like the Rangers here in this spot early. You know, we talked about the, the biggest change in net, of course, the Kira Schmid playing for Pavitek Vanacek. And like I said, there was not a massive difference, in my opinion, between the two. The difference was what was going on in front of them. It, it, the Devils, we saw them blocking shots, selling out, doing things they should have done, being responsible on defense in games one and two. Uh, and they just happen to do it better. You know, credit the Pearl of Wisdom for calling this out. They play better when Schmid is in net. Doesn't mean that Schmid's a better goalie. I don't think that's the case, but they play better when he's in front, and that's what matters. They needed that spark and that wake-up call. So why they can't figure out how to do that with Vanacek and that, I, I don't know. But with that being said, the Rangers know the blueprint is they have to find a way to get back into the center of the ice. Most of their goals come from that high danger area between the circles right in front of the goaltender. They have to find a way to clear that that spot out and establish dominance in front of Schmidt. And I think once you can do that with this Ranger offense, that means that the floodgates can open up. So I like Rangers first period puck line. That's the only thing I'm going to roll with here. Uh, I might sprinkle a little bit more on that Rangers to win series 4-1 because I do have a quarter unit uh, still floating in the balance with that after taking the shots in, in game three. Uh, I think Rangers bounce back in a big way and, and find a way to win this game. All right, there we go. We'll try to uh, do our best we can to uh, uh, deal with the uh, spam shit going on in the uh, chat, but we got to keep the show going. That's uh, uh, we'll deal with that. But uh, all right, Devils Rangers. As far as props go in this uh, Devils Rangers game, there's a few that stand out. I mean, for me, Adam Fox assist continues to be a good bet, and I think it's a good price again with that. 
for me, it's just wash, rinse, repeat with Chris Kreider. They can't they, they can't contain him. They can't stop him. Uh, he scored the only goal for the Rangers in Game Three. Uh, why not go back to the well? I mean, Chris Kreider has got the uh, the hot stick going right now for the New York Rangers. He's been absolutely spectacular uh, on the uh, power play uh, as well, and I think you're going to see more of it here uh, for the uh, New York Rangers moving forward. Here, that he's going to continue to be you know one of their catalysts offensively. Uh, you know, this could be a game too, where you know after a game where the Rangers power play was kind of ineffective. You know, there's a chance you're going to see them, you know, snap out of it tonight. Remember, the Devils were struggling on the penalty kill in the first two games. So with some of these Rangers props tonight, I think maybe you look towards, um, you know, maybe shots on goal or not shots on goal. You look toward power play point props with some of these players tonight. Kreider, you know, Zibanejad's been quiet in this series. I don't know if that'll continue. Uh, Vlad Tarasenko, you know, he's actually had a really nice series, you know, to sprinkle on the goal prop for him at plus 260. You know, is something I might consider as well here uh, in this uh, game. So uh, definitely some uh, good uh, options here as far as the uh, uh, player props go, uh, especially if on the uh, Rangers side. So we'll end up seeing if they are able to uh, uh, capitalize and have a little bit better uh, time of it here with the uh, power play tonight uh, in this game, which again got shut down by the uh, Devils in uh, game three. All right, Toronto Maple Leafs, Tampa Bay Lightning. We've got uh, minus 110. Uh, even oh, I like Shesterkin over saves as well tonight because again, with New Jersey down two to one, they've got to be aggressive, got to try to fire a lot of pucks at the net. For as much as it was vital for them to win Game Three down two nothing, they got to have this one too because if they go down three one in this series, they're probably not going to have a great chance here to uh, uh, get, uh, win this series. So I, I say come right back to the well here with uh, Shesterkin saves props. We'll look uh, in that uh, direction. Um, Toronto, Tampa Bay, we've got even money here, minus 110, six and a half the total uh, in this one. Uh, look, I, we said it after game three with the Toronto victory in that game saying, you know, so many playoff seasons where the Leafs have just been so bad, you know, in these uh, playoff uh, years where they've fallen short, they've been bounced in the first round. How many times have they outplayed the other team and lost? You know, it's happened a lot in terms of their problems in the Stanley Cup playoffs over the years. Uh, and I think when you look at Saturday night, Maybe it's a sign things are going to change this year, a sign that maybe, you know, it's going to be a different result here uh, for the uh, Toronto uh, Maple Leafs because they got outplayed by the Tampa Bay Lightning. No question. Tampa Bay had the better of the play in, in game three on Saturday night, but Toronto found a way to come out of it with the victory in overtime, uh, four to three, uh, even though they got outchanced. Samsonov was good in the last two periods, uh, holding, uh, uh, slamming the door shut uh, and able to uh, keep the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning at bay. Uh, no pun intended, but, you know, give Toronto credit because those are the type of uh, games that they usually uh, end up losing in the playoffs, but they found a way to win uh, the other night. This is a tricky game because Tampa Bay, you know, pushes back strong. Uh, I keep thinking that, you know, they're, they're going to have a strong push, especially early uh, in the game tonight. Like Tampa first period money line, I do like that a little bit here uh, in this game, but I don't know if I trust Tampa fully for the entire game. Because at the same point in time, you look back at game three, you know, how much worse can Toronto play? You know, and they still found a way to win. Whereas Tampa Bay, how much better could they play other than the puck going in the net more often than it did? You know, that was a really solid game from their standpoint. Carried the play, uh, did a lot of good things, but uh, unfortunately weren't a result, uh, didn't get rewarded for it with the victory. So, you know, I think when you look at this uh, game tonight, you know, there's a lot of room for improvement for Toronto. You know, and I don't think it's uh, uh, quite as much that way for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. So I like Tampa early because I think they've got they've got to show that in urgency uh, right away down two one. You don't want to go back to Toronto down three one 
in this series. Now, I say that in spite of the fact Toronto lost a series up 3-1 against Montreal last year, uh, two years ago. So, but this is a different Toronto team. I truly believe that, you know, if uh, Tampa were to uh, go down 3-1, I don't know if they're going to pull a Montreal, you know, against this Leaf team uh, like the Canadians uh, were able to a couple of years ago. You'd like to think this team has grown from that uh, experience. So this is a must almost for Tampa. I expect them to be uh, strong early in the game in the uh, first uh, period. So uh, I'm going to go with Tampa early, but that's it. Just a first period look on Tampa. But what I am also going to look at here is the same bets I've been looking at most of this series, and that's over. We've talked about repeatedly in this series how uh, last year when they met, the first under in the series did not occur until game six, you know, the first elimination game. Every game went over the total. I think you're going to see more of the same here with these two teams tonight. So I like the first period over one and a half again, and I like the full game over uh, six and a half. We'll do a split between the first period uh, and the full game over here uh, in game four with the uh, Leafs and Lightning. Uh, Alex, uh, game four, Toronto, Tampa Bay. Yeah, I love both of those looks, uh, but I'm going to be waiting to grab them in game, especially that first period over, because I agree with you. Tampa has to come out hot, right? Like this is, this is basically where Florida was in game two when I like Tampa to, to close that series. I said if they don't, you know, win in that first period, they're going to lose the rest of the series. That's how I'm feeling about Tampa Bay. They don't come out of this first period with a lead they're in trouble, and this series is probably most likely over. So I don't even want to take a shot with them on the first period uh, money line. I want to just watch and see the first few minutes, jump in and grab the first period over, grab full game over at better adjusted prices and better numbers, hopefully grab a, a, a six or five and a half on that full game total and definitely try to get closer to plus money on the one and a half. But also if Toronto's the team that's coming out with a lot of pace and, and a lot of pressure, that still will open the game up for Tampa Bay looking toward that over. So that's why I'm just staying away from sides, isolating totals. And then I wanted to see where things are looking at before grabbing any of those totals. I, I may just bail and not take any of it, but I got a feeling we're going to see some good energy both ways early in this contest. Well, uh, Alex, like in the first period over here uh, in particular between the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and the uh, Tampa Bay uh, lightning, you know, as far as uh, props go in this game, you know, if you're Tampa Bay, um, Braden Point, to me, you know, he obviously could have scored the other night. That goal ended up getting taken away, but I think he is a good goal prop tonight. Like, I'd rather bet Braden Point to score a goal than Tampa Bay full game, quite honestly. I like Tampa in the first period. I'll get in on the lightning in the first period, but I think if Tampa Bay puts that great effort forward tonight, which they should in a, a sense of urgency type of mode, down 2-1 in this series, then I think it's going to end up being a Braden Point that ends up uh, making an impact here tonight and finding the uh, back of the net for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. So uh, I'm going to end up going with uh, Braden Point to score a goal here tonight for the uh, Lightning. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite goal props in the uh, in the in, in the on the card tonight. Quite honestly, uh, between uh, these two teams, so I think that's a pretty good way to uh, go here in this game as far as the uh, props go. Is Braden Point? You know, on the Toronto side, uh, I'm intrigued to maybe take another sh take a shot with Matthew Nyes to break through. If you're watching this series minute by minute, you are definitely seeing that he right now is a guy that continues to make an impact. You know, he's noticeable. He's making plays. He got his first point uh, in the playoffs on the Nolachari goal in game three. I mean, Matthew Nyes is coming close to scoring, and he had a couple of great chances that got stopped by Vasilevsky in game three. So uh, I definitely think uh, that when you look at this uh, game going forward uh, tonight, that uh, Matthew Nyes definitely has an opportunity to make a, a big time uh, impact here for the uh, Tampa Bay uh, or for the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, 
moving forward. So uh, I think the goal prop, you know, upwards of, you know, it's plus 500 or more in some spots. Uh, sprinkling on that's not a bad move at all. Uh, on the uh, shots on goal front, uh, you know, this is a night where I'd expect maybe, uh, you know, got something the stamp coast and point, but especially Kucherov has been a higher volume shot you know, on goal type of player for the Lightning, maybe to be worth a look over shots on goal uh, here in this uh, game tonight. So keep that in mind. Uh, so I think it's a situation here where there's a bunch of different ways to, uh, you know, look at it here as far as the uh, prop market goes in this one. All right, that is the East, uh, the two games in uh, game four. We've got two Western Conference uh, game fours uh, to talk about in just a moment. Uh, 250 live viewers. Uh, on YouTube, hit the like button. We appreciate it very much. Shout out to our podcast listeners as well. We'll be back in just a moment to talk Vegas, Winnipeg, and Colorado, Seattle, the two remaining games on this Monday slate right after we hear from Gramco. Support for the Ice Gas is brought to you by Gramco. Whether you or your team's game is on the field, screen, racetrack, court, or the ice, Gramco is for the game. Grown by farmers who spent years developing premium hemp genetics, Gramco provides customers with consistent quality Delta 8 THC products ready for any occasion. Gramco currently offers numerous Delta 8 products, including vape cartridges, disposable vapes, pre-rolls, gummies, wake-and-bake coffee, and more. Gramco offers an enjoyable, legal high delivered discreetly and directly to you. Gramco is also available at many American retailers as well. You can get the best Delta 8 cannabis products on the market shipped quickly and discreetly from Gramco. And if you visit www.thegramco.com, use promo code ICEGUYS, you'll get 20% off of every order. And any order that's on the site over $50 will be shipped free with standard shipping. So live elevated with Gramco and check out their wonderful Delta 8 products today. All right, it is uh, back. Uh, back we are, and we've got two uh, Western Conference Game 4s uh, coming up next here uh, as we uh, roll along here. We've got Game 4 in Winnipeg. Uh, what a crazy Game 3 it was uh, between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Winnipeg Jets. And now we've got Game 4 tonight, and it's a, a huge game for the Jets. But what do they have left in their tank? Even money both sides here, minus 110, the total 5.5. Uh, I thought that was a brutal way to lose for the Jets considering the comeback they made. You know, they fought back. They lost Josh Morrissey, uh, by far their best defenseman, uh, early uh, in that uh, hockey game. Uh, and you end up uh, looking at the way it played out, that they made that great comeback. They tie it up. Uh, it was just, uh, you know, an incredible uh, rally from the uh, Win Winnipeg Jets after they were down multiple goals uh, in that game. Uh, but at the same point in time, uh, you got to give Vegas credit, too, because for blowing that lead, they put it back on the rails and they ended up winning uh, in overtime. Uh, to uh, you know, survive and end up taking the uh, two to one uh, series lead uh, over the Winnipeg Jets. But you look at the reverberating effect of the game three for the Winnipeg Jets and the fact that you know they had uh, all five of the defensemen because they were playing with five D after Morrissey left that game early. All the minutes they had to play, you know, yeah, they're going to have a six defenseman back tonight. I get it uh, with uh, Morrissey out, but now you're going to have to ask for uh, Dylan, Pionk, Schmidt, Demello, Sandberg, Stanley. Those uh, six on the blue line to, you know, pick up even more of the slack right now for this uh, Winnipeg Jets team. It's not going to be easy uh, right now uh, for them. So I think when you look at this uh, game here tonight between uh, these two teams, how much is in the tank for some of these blue liners who had to log hard minutes, tough minutes, 
you know, against the uh, Vegas Golden Knights on Saturday uh, in that double overtime game, you know, that aren't exactly accustomed uh, to playing that many minutes. I just don't know how they're going to sort of hang in there. I mean, I think early in the game, Winnipeg obviously didn't have the start they wanted in game three. I think if you like Winnipeg in any form tonight, you're better off looking early rather than the full game. Um, the way I just look at it, though, is other than maybe an advantage in net with Hellebuck, and you really can't even say that uh, anymore in this series because of the uh, fact that, uh, you know, the uh, the um, the Winnipeg Jets just uh, – haven't even gotten the best goaltending the last couple of games from Hellebuck. You look at uh, on the blue line, Vegas is deeper. You look at up front, I think they've definitely had better uh, situations in terms of, you know, their forward group. I mean, Jack Eichel, Mark Stone were excellent each of the last two games for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. And really other than Kyle Connor, you know, and Shifley finally scored late in game three, you know, and they missed Nikolai Ehlers as well. Let's keep that in mind. He hasn't played yet in this series. He doesn't look like he's going to play tonight because he was not uh, available uh, in the um, uh, in, in the morning skate this morning. So uh, definitely we're looking at a situation where he's probably going to be out again. So tough times for Winnipeg. I mean, that was a tough one to let slip through your fingers. Not having Morrissey. Uh, your top defenseman, I think probably going to hurt them moving forward. So this is actually a game I don't have a strong take on. It's it's just the slightest of leans to Winnipeg in the first period, but I think Vegas wins the game. It's probably a, a, a Winnipeg first period, Vegas full game type of lean for me uh, in this game tonight with uh, the Golden Knights and the Jets. Total, um, you know, I know the last two have gone over, um, but at the same time, I think this one could be an under and we get back to some tighter checking, but I'm not ready to bet an under at five and a half either. So especially with a key blue liner missing for uh, Winnipeg. So not a whole lot on this game other than maybe some props. I would look at maybe Eichel and Stone because they've been, uh, you know, they've been phenomenal. They've got it rolling right now for the Golden Knights. And then on the Winnipeg side, Kyle Connor scored. In game three, I think he's a good goal prop tonight. He's got to be the guy that produces his shots on goal. He's been flying over his shots on goal. That's probably a good look. Shifley, same thing, over shots and to score a goal. It's got to fall on those two guys, Shifley and uh, Connor. They've got to be the two players that make an impact if the Jets are going to get back into this series. Uh, Alex, what do you think here? Game four, Vegas, Winnipeg. Yeah, you know, this is, uh, if there was a way, if this is like a Word document, I would like to just highlight and copy all, everything except the very last goal, of course. That's the one thing I would like to copy and paste and put for this game and, of course, have Winnipeg win instead of Vegas. But uh, other than that, I, I would definitely love to see the first period over. That's the one thing I did bet. Uh, I think we're going to see that same kind of pace. I think we're going to see the same kind of atmosphere. Uh, you know, and, and like I said, these, these two teams are going to feed off of each other's barns because they aren't scared of, of that atmosphere. They're, they're, you know, welcoming that if anything. And that's why we saw Vegas unfazed, even when, you know, letting in the goal. That's why we saw Winnipeg able to come back after being down a couple of games. They weren't able to just take the air out of the building necessarily. And I think that's what's lending itself to seeing these higher scoring games. Vegas now 11 and five, the last 16 games going back into the regular season in the first period over. So we get the great price with that still. I'm just going to ride with that the first period over and hoping for a second overtime game because we got one down and we got two more to go to hit that eight to one ticket all right uh, alex liking the goals early in this game uh vegas and uh, winnipeg uh, over the uh, total here in the uh, first period between uh, these two teams uh should be interesting to see how winnipeg responds you just in terms of the you know gravity of that loss uh, the other night uh it was just uh, tough when you battle back like that and you still end up uh, losing 
uh, in uh, overtime uh, after that great comeback. So interesting to see now uh, what we get here from the uh, Winnipeg uh, Jets tonight in response. Uh, Braden Point day to day. JT, uh, let me just uh, see if he if if he because uh, uh, remember he did come back in uh, game uh, three. Uh, let me just uh, see. He's day to day. Yeah, I'm actually seeing that right. Game time decision. Yeah, game time decision for tonight. But John Cooper said in the morning press conference that uh, yeah he's gonna he's probably gonna play. Yeah, Adam Lowry. Thank you, Cuban Wayne Gretzky. I almost got through this game not mentioning Adam Lowry. Yeah, you have to. He's Mister Clutch in the playoffs, and he scored now in multiple games in this series for the Winnipeg Jets. He's not getting uh, priced. You know, like other players on this team, he's still plus 300 to score a goal and only plus 105 to get a point. So, you know, you're still getting absolutely terrific price with um, uh, Adam Lowry, who's just been sensational. I mean, we've talked ad nauseum how important he is at playoff time. Big body presence, uh, physical, goes to the front of the net, excellent at the faceoff circle, excellent defensively. Uh, plays in all situations for you, uh, and uh, Rick Bonus knows how important he is. So, yeah, there's no doubt, I think, when you look at uh, uh, Adam Lowry uh, and what he's done in this series, he's absolutely worth a look here uh, as far as the uh, uh, situation is uh, concerned with the uh, uh, goal prop tonight as well because, again, he just keeps on uh, – he keeps on – uh, cashing in here at this point for the uh, Winnipeg uh, Jets. Uh, all right, next up, we've got our final game of this um, West first round game three. YouTube's got to do a better job of screening people and helping us out here. We're trying to block uh, this relentless spammer here on our uh, YouTube chat and uh, just keeps on uh, going and creating new nicknames. And it's it's ridiculous. Like we're, we're trying to hit remove and block and uh, I don't know how the fuck he's still here. I mean, that's they got to do a better job cleaning this up. But uh, Colorado and Seattle, uh, we've got Colorado minus 150 uh, road favorites here, six the uh, total uh, in this game. Uh, I think when you look at it here, uh, Colorado and Seattle, this is another one where Seattle's got to show up early, have a good start. I thought they did in game three, but all of a sudden there's Nathan McKinnon just basically taking over uh, and uh, being a, in a situation where, you know, he just wouldn't be denied. He, he was great in game three, uh, or sorry, game four for the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how he fares tonight in this one. But yeah, he was just, he took over the game. Uh, and uh, Seattle punched back. I'll tell you what, in the second period, they tied that game. Uh, it ended up being 3 uh, 3. And then there's uh, Nate McKinnon in particular and Rantanen for that matter. Uh, great in the third period, rallied the troops after Seattle tied the game. Uh, and then Colorado basically took over from there and ended up taking game three. Uh, the other night, six three. So we'll see now uh, if it uh, can, if the uh, Colorado Avalanche can seize control of this series. We kind of do think they're the better team, and they're going to eventually win this series. But you know, and, and since game three, or since game two, rather the third period, they look like they're a lot better. They've looked more like the Avalanche we saw last year on route to winning the Stanley Cup. So uh, it'll be interesting to see now if this uh, continues for the uh, Avalanche tonight, and they can build off that game three performance. Um, you know what I am going to do here, though? I don't know if I trust um, Seattle to win the uh, hockey game tonight, but, you know, I think after what I saw in game uh, three uh, of this series, the team total for Seattle, you got to lay some juice at around minus 145, minus 150, over two and a half. Um, I think when you look at it here, uh, it's definitely uh, not a bad option. I think the Kraken might be able to get to three goals tonight because this is a game that if they don't win it, it's curtains. Series will be over. They won't come back down three-one uh, to this Colorado Avalanche team. So kind of like that look in the in the on the Kraken team total in this game. And I think it's a safer route where 
you know, they could, because I don't fully trust them to win the game, but I do trust the effort to be at an all-time high trying to avoid a 3-1 series. And let's be honest, they've been able to skate nicely with, with Colorado in this series where, you know, the pace, the way Colorado plays, it hasn't been, you know, something that's totally affected this uh uh, you know, this uh, team at all, you know, it's been, they've been, they've been able to skate with Colorado. They've been able to keep pace. They just cannot give up those devastating odd man rush breakaway situations that they did to Colorado in game three that the abs took advantage of. So I think Seattle does have a pushback. I think they're competitive in this game. I don't trust them fully to win it, but I think the way I'd rather approach it is that over two and a half with Seattle uh, toward the team total. Uh, we did finally see an overcash for the first time in this all season with Colorado, Seattle, uh, all the uh, games, regular season and playoffs between these two teams had gone under. We finally saw an over in game three. Um, this game, I'm not sure where it goes, but I, I lean to that same uh, thought process with the over here in game four, but I don't love it. Uh, Alex, what do you think here? Game four, Colorado, Seattle. You know, it's funny because when doing some playoff previews and going through the series, we kind of thought this would be the weakest of the series, right? Like it wouldn't be too exciting compared to some of the rivalry matchups and different things. But this has been a hell of a series. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, the profit that I've been able to cash with is the first period over. They said full game over coming in that last game. I don't know if we're going to see a lot of scoring throughout. I can see this one being one of those games where you see the goals early. You think things come slowing down a bit. We see the goaltenders make big saves, just like we did uh, in game two, where we saw you know Grubauer and Yorgiev having this kind of a duel back and forth. And that was fun to see. And we saw great offensive chances both ways. It wasn't just the goaltending and defensive clinic. It was just good hockey uh, being played by all, all, all on the ice. So this is one I'm just going to go with the first period over. I laid $1.15. I would go up to $1.20, $1.25. Uh, anything higher than that, play it in game, of course. Go over the one and a half and then just play back and try to pick off some live uh, spots. Didn't do as well with the live games uh, in this one like I did it in games one and two, but uh, hoping to get back on track with that and just try to figure out where the pace of this game is going to be. Yeah, for me, this is one of those games, too, where, uh, like I say, the team totals mildly appealing. It's not going to be a significant bet. Uh, for me with the crack with the Kraken team total I think you're just as well if you think Seattle's going to have a strong pushback to try to tie the series and find the back of the net you got to at some point think McCann and Dunn are going to be two guys that get going for Seattle I mean McCann has had chances but for the first time he's kind of been stymied here uh as of late so but those are the guys that are going to have to get it done for Seattle yeah Nachushkin missed game three due to personal reasons we'll see if he's back tonight I mean for Colorado right now it's tough to bet props other than Nate McKinnon and Rantanen right now because they've pulled so much of the weight here uh, for Colorado in this series. But I'll give you a couple that are worth a look. Two on the blue line, Bo Byram uh, to get a point minus 110, and Devon Taves. I mean, his point prop just continues to come through, and it's only minus 122 at FanDuel uh, for Devon Taves to get a point. Uh, and these two guys are more than capable of it on the uh, back end. They both play power play minutes, uh, Taves and Byram, even with McCarr back. Uh, they're still able to uh, chip in offensively. Byram's got a point uh, in each game so far in this series. And Taves, you know, game one, he didn't have a point, but he's got three points uh, in the last two games uh, and had two assists in the uh, game against um, Seattle in game three. So, you know, I think when it's all said and done, uh, those are good looks here for me as far as Colorado on the blue line. Both a real good high ball, a high probability they both find the uh, score sheet and get a point tonight. Bo Byram. Uh, for the abs, as well as uh, Devon Taves. Uh, again, very undervalued, I think, with their uh, point props right now. 
Uh, all right, great stuff. That is the uh, Monday uh, NHL slate. Uh, we apologize, by the way, to everyone in the chat that's had to deal with the ruckus there. Uh, we're trying to we've tried to handle it the best we can, uh, but uh, definitely we appreciate you guys hanging in there. Hopefully that's just a one day occurrence with that. Uh, hit the like button. We appreciate it. Two hundred sixty five live viewers on YouTube. Shout out to our podcast listeners as well. And a reminder, check out uh, patreon.com slash ice guys. Just ten dollars a month. Goalie charts, totals, charts, power ratings, daily ice guys show betting card. Uh, bonus content and more uh, sign up and subscribe at patreon.com slash ice guys just ten dollars a month also check out the ice guys store iceguys.myspreadshop.com got 20 percent off everything it's until wednesday uh we got some new stuff for the summer we got new stuff i mean just we got all the great classic stuff as well everything there go to iceguys.myspreadshop.com and of course the ice guys stanley cup playoffs live betcast our next BetCast tomorrow night on Tuesday, April 25th, 7 p.m. Eastern time. A nice small three-game slate uh, tomorrow night. We'll have Islanders-Hurricanes, which is an elimination game. Islanders facing elimination. We've got uh, Stars and Wild uh, tomorrow night. And, of course, a huge game five with the Kings and the Oilers, which has been just an incredible series. We'll have all three of those games tomorrow night on the BetCast. So make sure you join us. Live betting and commentary with me. Alex and all of our viewers and listeners joining us as guests. And if you're one of those viewers and listeners that want to join us on the BetCast as guests, uh, make sure you DM me at Bobano on Twitter or email Bobano350 at gmail.com. And we will send you the link for the Ice Guys Stanley Cup Playoffs live BetCast before it gets underway Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. So make sure you join us for another Stanley Cup Playoffs live BetCast tomorrow night. All right, we'll be back to wrap up the show with best bets right after we hear from Manscaped. Support for the Ice Guys is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code ICEGUYS. That's promo code I-C-E-G-U-Y-S at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, it's about 14 million balls that you can preserve. The Performance Package 4.0 is the complete accessory package to take care of everything that is required. You've got, of course, the Lawnmower 4.0 takes care of your facial hair and among other things. You've got, of course, the Weed Whacker. I'm approaching 40. Nose hair has become a major issue. It pisses the hell out of me. I need to take care of that shit, and the Weed Whacker can help you do that. Both of these products, waterproof and a 4,000K LED spotlight for a more precise shave. And you'll also be able to take care of those delicate areas with the ball toner, with the ball deodorant. Keep you smelling good, looking good, and feeling good down in the nether regions. This complete performance package 4.0 will take care of everything for you, for all you guys out there. And it's courtesy of our good friends at manscaped.com. So get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code ICEGUYS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use promo code ICEGUYS. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, it is time now for Best Bets here to wrap it up for this Monday edition of the show. Uh, by the way, we've got our good friend Straight Bet Ben joining us again tomorrow uh, on the uh, show. So that'll be fun having him on the show. And we've got a couple of player guests lined up for Wednesday and Thursday as well. So 
uh, looking forward to that. Uh, Alex, uh, what do you like here for best bet tonight? Yeah, we're going to go with uh, Vegas Winnipeg. Go with that first period over one and a half. I got it at minus fifteen. That's still available at Ben and GM and a couple other books as well. Uh, like I said, expect the same kind of uh, frenetic pace we saw in game three. And uh, I'm expecting to see at least a couple of goals. We should have had five goals, honestly, in that first period last time. But we got three. So if we get three again, I'll take that as well. Let's go with Jets, Golden Knights. First period over one and a half minus fifteen. That's my best bet. There you go. It, it cashed on Saturday. Alex is looking for it to cash again here tonight. Uh, Vegas, Winnipeg, over one and a half first period uh, for his uh, best bet on this Monday card. Mine is going to be, I'm going to go Devils Rangers over five and a half. uh, Minus 115, minus 120 uh, is what we're looking at. Again, we finally had our first under in this series in game three. I'm not convinced we see that tonight. I'm not convinced the Devils defense nor Akira Schmid play as well. Uh, I think the Devils, too, are due to finally have a game where they score a few more goals than they have in this series. And I certainly think the Rangers offense is going to come to life tonight once again, uh, make their adjustments after the first time in this series that their offense and especially their power play had kind of been stymied. Uh, I think you'll see them have a much better showing offensively tonight as well. So uh, Devils Rangers over five and a half minus 120 for my best bet. Uh, for this Monday card. That'll wrap up this edition of the Ice Guys. Thanks to everyone in the chat for joining us. Hit the like button uh, on the way out. We appreciate it very much. A reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and more. Download the Ice Guys podcast when you can't watch the show live. For Alex B. Smith, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Monday night. Enjoy the games and good luck. And we will be back tomorrow, a a double dose of the Ice Guys, as usual, on a Tuesday. The Daily Show at 2 p.m. Eastern with special guest Straight Bet Ben. And then, of course, the live Stanley Cup playoffs betcast tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern. Join us for a massive Tuesday right here on the Ice Guys, presented by National Hockey Now.